Hi, everybody, and welcome to Words, Images, and Worlds. I am glad to be talking with Paul Fricky on this episode. Paul, uh, you're a comics creator, teacher, you've been a storyboard artist. I believe you've done work in picture books as well. So all around a creator, educator kind of person. Does that Are, are there other uh, verbs that you want to use to describe yourself? Oh, I guess I'm a family man. Uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wife, two grown daughters, and we all have a creative bent. Um, and I also have been into music since I was a kid and songwriting since I was in my teens. That's something I do on my own. And uh, But that covers it, I think. Yeah. yeah, and you podcast as well. So podcasting as part of that. Oh, I suppose so. Thanks for catching that. Yeah, I've been doing an Alex Tote in-depth podcast for a few years, and uh, uh, I thought maybe it would scratch the itch and make it a little easier for people to take me bringing up Toth all the time in, in the <laughs> classroom. But uh, it just seems to have fed uh, the obsession instead. So yeah. there's no cure for me on that on that score. Yeah, yeah. I love Toth and I love how that style kind of leads into Bruce Tim. And uh, I mean, that kind of takes us to a little bit of our conversation, too, because um, you worked in kind of that animated style um with the fly in particular it kind of carries that kind of look and feel to it in a in a way it it does and um uh, inking the fly i was working with uh, writer len Suzuki mm -hmm. and um editor brian augustine who both had who had been part of how i got my start in comics self-publishing true lords co-created with scott biederstadt and uh, so it was fun to reunite with those guys and then uh, to join along with Mike. When we were working on the fly, um, Mike and I had many conversations. And even before that, I inked a few pieces at DC with him prior to the fly. And um, <laughs> Mike's the one guy that I had to add stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I had that Toth mindset where whoever I inked, I tried to simplify and streamline and mm -hmm. clean up. And with Mike, his pencils were all there, but also they were kind of open. And and he would encourage uh, me and other inkers to add to it. But, we, you know, Mike and I talked about, I would say his favorites uh, were John Byrne, Jaime Hernandez, mm -hmm. and, um, and then Toth. Um, and then when we were working on the fly, he talked a lot also about John Romita uh, Sr. Uh, and noses or mean a noses and all oh, that yeah. stuff. but but we we just had a blast on that uh series um and uh and we did discuss that stuff there, there were many times thinking that that i thought of toth in his pencils while i was doing it and um uh and that did carry through from that influence no doubt yeah yeah i loved um mike's stuff on the the batman adventures in particular uh just had a unique appeal and a unique vision and um definitely kind of lined up with that style and he was a a person gone too soon from what i understand yeah um mike before he started working on batman adventures was just a freak for the show mm -hmm. so when we would talk regularly he would just gush, gush and gush <laughs> about the show did you see this one what about that and, and he would go into the storytelling and the movement and all that stuff. So when he got the gig, um, he was uh, 
so excited. And I thought a, a great fit for him too. Uh, you know, he was, he was basically discovered for comics by Brian Augustine. And wow. um, I, I may as well talk about this a little bit. Um, the first comics job that Mike ever did was a framing sequence for a literacy book called Quest for Dreams Lost. Oh, wow. Wow. So, yeah. So we were publishing Troll Lords and then we met um, somebody who was heavily involved in the mid late 80s uh, in Chicago uh, named George Hagenauer, mm -hmm. uh, who was putting events together and raising funds. And then Brian came up with this idea to raise funds uh, for that literacy program with a comic book. And uh, we had already met Mike through other um, connections in Chicago. Um, and that's his first published stuff. So we knew Mike from fairly early on when we were, uh, when Troll Arts was published. Um, and then, uh, uh, and then, so, and then when Brian got to DC, um, he wanted to tap Mike. And I would say that what you saw in the industry at that time was, uh, you know, Golden and Art Adams and Image influenced. Uh -huh, uh -huh. My style was not that. And I think Brian picked out a lot of artists like uh, Mike uh, Parabek and Mike Waringo and Humberto Ramos and others that I think uh, went to that creative, you know, that simpler sensibility. Uh -huh. um, and the perfect fit then for Mike to do uh, Batman Adventures. I'm just really glad um, before he passed that he had that run. Yeah. Um, because. Um, I think he felt like his style was not in and wasn't the flavor of the month. And he wondered if he was going to get work. Uh, and then he had that run. I wish I had inked that, uh, but Rick Burchette did such a great job on it. Um, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to fault it. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike uh, had um, was diagnosed with diabetes and um, handled it and managed it. Um, and then less so. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that had to do with how the comics career was going too, and um, that was a emotional time uh, for me uh, because um, my uh, my wife had given birth to our first daughter, and Mike died the same day or the day after. Oh wow! Wow! So I was like driving in to visit uh, my wife and the baby, and then driving back and I was calling that night at home uh, people about uh, the birth and um, and then uh, Dan Jurgens called from San Diego to tell me the news. Mm. Uh, other people had been trying that day to get through to me to tell me, but virtually it happened the same day. So for me, it was just, I was a mess. I'm yeah. driving to the, to the hospital and uh, I'm crying. I see a mic in my, <laughs> I'm crying in my cereal and while I'm vacuuming and picking up the baby and it's hopeful and it's uh, all sad and it was all balled up. So I was jelly for a while and, um, but very kind of, of Dan and others to keep me in mind then. Uh, I miss yeah. him. I miss him even after all these years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to ask about positive collaborations, positive interactions um, in the, in the industry and in the medium. So any other names that you want to throw out there as being just particularly decent and good people that you've worked with over the years? Yeah. I mean, the troll arts thing was uh, important because um, we kind of created a bunch of careers from self-publishing that book. 
And mm-hmm. I would say there was a different um, uh, alchemy to how that went. I don't think Trollords is something that we could have, that I would have done on my own or Scott would have, or Brian would have, or whatever, but it became a, a thing because of the collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, and Mike, I really enjoyed um, inking over Steven DiStefano um, on, um, on Amazing Man. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we did a Plastic Man um, short story, Secret Origin of Plastic Man. That was a lot of fun. Uh, actually, once I, um, once I exited the comics industry and went into other work, I, it took me some time, but I realized that my wife, who was also an artist, probably has collaborated more with me than anybody else. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes she would pencil stuff that I would ink, uh, but more often uh, she would be working on colors with me. With, I'm almost uh, on just tons of jobs that we did over the years uh, through our, our Blue Moon Studios, our uh, freelance uh, illustration company. And so, um, but uh, lately um, what I've been working on is a, uh, a comic that's available online. It's called Blood Orange. And it's available at newdaynoir.com. There's seven chapters up now, and um, I've got 20, 30 more pages done. So new chapters will be rolling out again. But uh, Tim Avers and I uh, worked out a collaborative um, uh, system or dynamic that really works well for me. Um, And it's born out of how I think comics should function and what that process should be. Mm-hmm. So I've got particular things that I don't want in a script and how I want him to feed me um, what <laughs> what we call a script. Um, and, and then I can write with him visually while we're doing it. So it's been very, very satisfying. And, 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 uh, and I'm looking forward to doing more. And eventually that will be probably over 200 page graphic novel that we'll collect. Nice, nice. I'll, I'll be sure and link the website when I share this as well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you've also mentioned you mentioned literacy and, and working with uh, Mike in that regard. But um, any other areas of the way that the comics and literacy have sort of grown together? Because comics has this uh, unfair reputation going back of being something that's kind of kid stuff. Um, not as complex. And so one of the messages that I like to share on this show, among others, when, I, when I'm talking with a range of people, is mm-hmm. uh, actually, no, comics can be pretty complex and literacy can be woven in and explored. Um, and it is woven in and explored through the words and images. So so anything on that that you'd like to add? Yeah, you know, anybody who's into comics and took it seriously, and by my mid-teens I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was looking at what was self-published. I was reading Will Eisner and discovering the spirit and then reading his books. This predates McLeod and understanding comics and all that. And Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it a while. And anybody who's grown up reading comics during that period has a chip on their shoulder about how comics are maligned and so on. And I would say during that period, I just always was hoping that it would be taken more seriously as as a legitimate medium or an art form. And I would say as a kid that I developed a vocabulary and a love for reading through comics. So, uh, but I would make the distinction. I don't think comics are just a bridge to real reading. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) And I think some people still, I'll I'll take that, right? Because we had uh, booksellers and librarians and uh, educators, uh, you know, middle school and high school teachers that just 
wouldn't accept comics. So somehow mm-hmm. uh, picture books is legitimate and it's for kids and that's looked up to and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And prose is great, but you know, you put those two together in a different way or a different format and suddenly it's uh, garbage. Yeah. And so it's been really nice over the last decades to see that develop where, um, you know, and, and some of that is the influence of uh, Scott's book um, mm-hmm. and and more outreach by other people and so on. But uh, and other graphic novels that have come out. Right. So mm-hmm. they are regularly taught. My daughters took, uh, you know, were exposed to and read graphic novels at, at their high school uh, here in Minnesota. And um and you know libraries. Every I've just read tons of articles and looked at some data that libraries, uh, the graphic novel uh, sections in there have the highest traffic. Oh yeah, absolutely. So this is they're just great developments across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I just I, I I hope that people that more people will be exposed to it or take it in, and uh, and take it for what it is. It is a magical kind of interactive medium where people read words and pictures. Mm-hmm. We're reading the pictures too, and people aren't always thinking that. There's too many, uh, there's a whole bunch of people I've talked to over the years when they're reading comics, they think they're just going from balloon to balloon. And it's just sometimes you can get trapped in that and yeah. go too fast. That, certainly it can happen, but I think people are taking in images a lot faster than they think they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> And in a, in a millisecond, and it happens quickly, and there's this back and forth kind of thing that's going on, and yeah. what happens between panels and all. It's just a, it's a great medium, and, and it's an immediate thing, because you can almost feel, like when you're reading it, a connection with the creator or creators. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's just really nice to see uh, that embraced more. But I, of course, I'd like it to explode and be even bigger. So same, same. Yeah, but what a great tool and what a great medium in, in, in its own right. Um, mm-hmm. Read, read, read. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That is the thing. And uh, you've also worked in uh, sort of the education side of comics as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, since early in my career, I would appear at um, uh, uh, schools and uh, look at portfolios at conventions. And I just always liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though, um, even though I worked in uh, freelance illustration for a long time, I kept my hand, my head in, in uh, comics. I would do a lot of comics outside of the industry. Mm-hmm. And I just, I kept in mind, oh, a couple things. One is that, and I'll get to the MCAT and the teaching thing in a sec, but yeah, the, yeah. The, um, the, I saw a whole bunch of stuff, um, in advertising where people would try to do comic stuff and they would get so many things wrong. The art wouldn't be so great. They didn't understand how comics uh, work. So it was really fun to, I'm like, if you're going to do a comic book thing, I know comics. So <laughs> let's make it look like a real thing and, and, and have it work. And I kept in mind Eisner, you know, when he uh, stopped the spirit, uh, he did a lot of educational comics. You know, he uh-huh. did uh, comics about taxes and then, and, and with the, the military magazine and so on it, it can be a teaching thing as well so i kept that in mind and for several years um uh, barb schultz at uh, mcad minneapolis college of art and design where they have a probably the longest running comics four-year degree program uh in the country 
um, if I memory serves. Um, and she was after me to teach and I just, the timing didn't work. You know, uh, kids were at the right age. Uh, I was making good money uh, storyboarding and commercial stuff. And then the timing became uh, perfect. So I've been teaching at the comics uh, department as an adjunct professor there for almost 12 years now. And uh, I'm a pig in slop. I just, <laughs> I just love it. So it's kind of weird, right? To be, um, uh, to hit like nine years old or 12 years old and then say, I want to be an artist and I want to uh, have a comics career. And I just want to be involved in doing something with art and comics my whole life in one way or another through ups and downs and a lot of changes and adapts, uh, the, um, I've been able to keep carving that out. So um, awesome. Awesome. I probably am happier at MCAD right now than I've ever been. Um, the comic, the program is growing, mm -hmm. um, probably twice as large as it was seven years ago. It's one of the more popular, um, majors, uh, at MCAD and students, most students are coming in reading webtoons and manga, or they become comics majors when they get there and they take intro to comics and they go, what? And they can't, mm -hmm. they love it. So some are diehards and, and see who's graduating from MCAD and going, oh, I want to go there too. Or they just love comics. And then they find, oh, there's a school for this. Great. Um, or we convert them <laughs> once, yeah. once they're there. So, um, you know, I just couldn't be happier when I prepare awesome. classes because I'm I'm uh, I just lo I love dissecting this stuff for 45 years, yeah. um, and and now I get to further develop those notions uh, or present it uh, or work with students to see what new things they'll they'll bring to it. So fun, yeah, yeah. Well, and you get to you get to pay uh tribute to so many people as you teach about the history and the work in comics and then you also get to to share your work and kind of live in people's minds um so it's it's a very cool thing yeah i'm, I'm pretty passionate about it and i think the students can sense that so we have a nice back and forth about that um sometimes we'll do in comic storytelling this semester we just did two-hour sessions discussing deep notions about <laughs> comics uh how it works on the page uh, uh, a variety of things and and i think we could have gone on longer um, yeah. in no session so um and yeah um again because students are coming in and, and you know they're younger than my kids now i've held up trollords pages and other pages i've done in front of the class and um and realized even the first year i was teaching that that those pages were older than anyone in the class <laughs> <laughs> so um, while they're coming in, being aware of webtoons and manga and, and some other current stuff, uh, YA graphic novels, um, mm -hmm. I do think it's important to make the connections uh, for them, uh, with them, um, about what was being done by, uh, you know, Windsor McKay and Frank King and, and, and so on uh, in uh, comic strips um, over 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, bringing up both and Craigstein and Kurtzman and and uh, newer practitioners. I, I try to make sure I don't want to inundate that because we don't want to live in the past. But there is some fresh, vital stuff. And it's important to know the history and say, oh, you, you don't know what can be done in comics. Look at what <laughs> Little Nemo <laughs> did, what was done in Little Nemo all those years ago. It's just uh -huh. a treasure trove. So 
I try to connect those um, those threads of who influenced who throughout uh, comics history, and yeah. then who's bringing something new to uh, to the medium as we go forward. Yeah, I, I love that, and you know, just thinking about teaching and uh, sharing ideas and the importance of citations, the importance of like noting those foundations. Like all of this comes from somewhere, so it's nice to to trace that back and. Uh, to just note those names and places and ways that the medium has come to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not just a matter of history either, although some of that is important, but to see the through lines about how styles and approaches uh, evolve. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the trick with all that, and, and I talk a, a lot about this with the Alex Toth in depth show, which is a podcast and a video show on YouTube. So, and we'll uh, link it as well. Yeah, I record that like long form and audio only, just so even though it's we're discussing visual things, I like to make sure that it'll play if we're just talking about it. And then uh, with um, assistance, um, we augment the uh, the video, the, the audio with video and images to kind of support what's being discussed. So that's kind of labor of love, but that's the kind of thing I, uh, that. Uh, I like to do as well. You know, that's another way to, to uh, you know, grow the medium and, and, and get people to think, you know, as, as much as we can be um, influenced by others, it's still important that while you want to be informed by what has gone before and be aware of it, you, you've got to, you want to filter all that through and then find your unique voice. Cause ultimately no matter what you're doing and, you know, how much you develop draftsmanship or whatever else. Um, ultimately, what sets you apart is your own unique experiences and your own unique line and, 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 how, and oh. how you put that down. So, Yeah, yeah absolutely. We, we stand on the shoulders of those that came before and uh, sometimes do things a little differently. But, I mean, it's still different than mm -hmm. somebody else did it, which is important. Yeah, it's, I, I always thought it was funny. My daughters would be, uh, something would come up, a pop culture reference. Uh, I'd be discussing Citizen Kane or I'd throw a line out or whatever else. And a lot of times my daughters knew what all that stuff was or they were uh -huh. aware of it, or they'd watch a movie like uh, Misery or something. It's like almost everything they knew <laughs> other than what they got from my wife or myself was from Family Guy or Simpsons. So <laughs> yeah. people can be aware of what's going on or be kind of clueless of what even has gone before. Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge those things and know where they came from and go to the source as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, it's hard for me to, to figure out how you proceed without knowing uh, mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, so I think it's important to... Yeah, well, and you feel like you're on the inside track and there's a richness to that. And I feel like, I mean, on the surface, you can appreciate something like in The Simpsons or something like that. That's that's funny. But then it, to me, it makes it even funnier when you realize kind of what they're playing with and the stories that they're reconceptualizing. Um, I mean, that just <laughs> adds enjoyment to it. Yeah, it, it, that's the way it's designed. It's supposed to be a reference that you're supposed to get from the thing, but people... <laughs> watching these things for decades without knowing the source or the context. Yeah. I, I guess it's so funny, but it is a lot funnier if you know what's what's going on. But just being aware of what's gone before 
It's mm-hmm. like, oh, look at this new thing I came up with. And I'm like, well, Big Steve <laughs> did that before. So yeah. um, just be aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then do your own spin. That's right. Um, so, so I also mentioned a little bit earlier and we can, we could talk a little bit about this if you want, you have done work in picture books as well as storyboards, anything that you'd like to share about from those worlds, um, that connect with what we've said so far. Oh yeah. I mean, um, the picture book stuff, I just did one big book for them, um, in the early nineties called, uh, look and find scary monsters. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it was against the grain for me because it, it isn't narrative really. And you just have to make it busy and hide people in them. But it was a blast to do. I worked for like three months uh, on that uh, 11 to 17 hour days. I was inking the fly uh, at the same time. And it was just a very busy time, but it, it kind of got me uh, a taste of work outside of comics Uh Uh, uh and it scratched the itch i think after some years of doing comics like almost 10 years i realized the comics i wanted to do the most i probably wasn't going to make much money at um and uh, and comics were a lot of work for less money i made okay uh living inking for dc Uh um but ultimately i'd like i'd already like co-created and self-published my own book and that was successful and then I had a good run at DC and I was like, you know what, for some reason, I'm not as satisfied as I thought I'd be. It kind of did it already. And I yeah. flipped the and started doing less work for more money. And I think it, the kind of work I was doing in illustration also fit my temperament in terms of schedules and sizes of jobs and all that. So um, again, I did a lot of uh, educational comics, um, mm-hmm. history comics about the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. Um, I did work with the CDC and the Census Bureau. So uh, there was a lot of big, uh, uh, the National Kidney Foundation. So in all those projects, we used comics to and superheroes in different genres to get that message uh, out. Um, while doing all that work for years, um, storyboard work was mostly uh, commercial storyboard work for broadcast commercials. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of work for uh, Pillsbury and Drew the Doughboy a lot which was partially co-created by Marty Nodell, who had oh. a hand in creating the original Green Lantern. Oh, he wow. Leo Burnett, I think, in the, in Chicago uh, when that was done. And he was a sweetie, too. I did conventions next to, to him and his wife, and they were great. Um, oh, cool. But uh, um, I, I just look for ways to apply that stuff as much as possible. And I found that in doing storyboard work, the training you need to do storyboards you get from comics. Mm-hmm. So all the things I needed to do in terms of drawing out of your head and drawing everything and storytelling and, and, and drawing fast, that's all stuff you have to develop. So when I'm talking to students now, I'm like, if you're reticent to take comics as a major, I, I would really strongly recommend it because you're learning a, a variety of skills that can be applied in, in, in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. uh, to, to get work in different ways. Um, and then while I'm doing all that work for those decades, um, I just tried to keep my hand in. My heart was still with comics. And um, and I worked away at uh, my own picture book called Night of the Bedbugs, mm-hmm. which was uh, finally and eventually published by um, Jim Valentino's Silverline uh, at Image. And, um, and uh, that was a lot of fun too, because that's a comic book. Uh-huh. it's a picture book but it's just a comic with a with a hardcover um 
So uh, I like to keep my hand in with different projects over the years. Um, and, uh, and Blood Orange is that thing right now. Did that nice. answer the question? I believe so. I believe that is, yeah. Um, so I mentioned that I would link to Blood Orange, uh, the podcast, any other spaces online that you want to share about or um, upcoming events and things like that that you want to mention? Um, I think I'll be at a convention in uh, Minneapolis uh, in October, FallCon, so people can look for that. Um, as more blood orange is rolled out um tim and i are talking about uh getting to some other cities with perhaps a, a half of the book uh, like a preview uh printed um so we'll see if that comes to fruition um otherwise online um i mean i'm on facebook i suppose but the instagram is the place to find me either mm -hmm. prof paul comics with an x at the end where i just ruminate about comics in general and uh, share student work um, Alex Toth in depth on Instagram. Uh, I post near daily um, some curated stuff of uh, of Toth, um, and then my um, Instagram is Opalo Art, I believe. Um, and uh, and I'm just pick you know posting uh, images up there all the time. So um, I'm fairly active on Instagram more than any other right now. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy it as a visual. <laughs> uh way of connecting to yeah i mean you can find uh bad pockets in any social media sure um but i tend to try to focus on positivity mm -hmm. when i'm on any platform um and if you're putting that out there that tends to be what your feed uh becomes more and more so mm -hmm. um uh, some for some reason that reminds me of the Beatles. <laughs> love you, make love you take that kind of deal. That's right. So, uh, yeah. Use the algorithms for good, not evil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's quite right. Yeah, but I, I would hope that people, uh, you know, um, would check out Blood Orange. It's we New Day Noir is a specific thing uh, that we've chosen to put this out as, and I think it's kind of a new twist on an old genre. And it is a current comic about fashion and business and celebrity and crime. And, and uh, it's a different kind of thing. I hope people will check it out and like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll be sure and link to it. I, I appreciate your work. I appreciate your time. I'm glad to talk to you anytime about Toth or uh, anything else for a, for a part two. Um, so we may have to plan that at some point. I'd be happy to. I, I, you, as you know, because of the show or in general and, and a previous blog, I can go on about Toth for a long, long time. So yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, great to connect here and uh, be happy to do it again. Yeah, yeah, it sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. Take care. You too.